0: So this is Monday, the thirteenth of August, twenty eighteen, and I'm meeting with my old old friend, Kenneth Bartown, in the Pan Pacific in Yangon. So Kenneth, welcome. We haven't seen each other for twenty years or something. More than
1: twenty years. <laughs> it's <laughs> lovely to see you. Oh absolutely. So
0: you know even I don't know your, your full life story, so let's let's start at the beginning when you're born and where you're born.
1: I was born in the Shan states in Burma and that was mampan Mampan is the name of the village where I was born at the time. My dad, he was the engineer in the Public Works Department. He was constructing the roads in the Shan states. And... What... is it
0: 1931? Was it... what... what... uh, 1931. 1931. And... and... uh, You were born in a village, was it a village? Yes, village.
1: You see, it's a a village on the main road, you see, Mampan. Mampan, that is uh, southern Chiaan states, and hardly 20, 30 houses. Wow. (laughs) And how long did you stay there? Uh, Well... um, I mean, um, my dad had a bungalow there, which was a government bungalow, and he was staying there as an engineer, as the chief engineer of the roads department at that time. And then very soon after I was born, we came back to our house in Kallor. We had our own house in Kallor. And where's Kaloor? Kaloor is next to Taungji. It's in the sharp state also. Kaloor is a hill station.
0: It's a very nice climate.
1: Very nice place, yes. Very nice city, small city. And that's where uh, all my other brothers and sisters, uh, they used to go to school there, St. John's Convent. How many of them, how many siblings did you have? Uh, uh, when I was born, of course, I think I was the fourth one, but we have altogether eight of us now. Wow! Eight, uh, you know, uh, five, five brothers, and uh, myself, six, and then uh, two sisters.
0: And how many are still surviving of the? Eight uh, of I'm them? the only one. <laughs> My goodness! I'm the only
1: one, but the sisters are still alive. One is in New Zealand, and the other one is. Chicago. So, of the
0: brothers, you're the only... Soul. I'm the
1: only one alive. You must have led a good life. Uh, it's, you know, I mean, I've been taking good care of my health. I mean, what I eat and uh, how I sort of behave with my, the time that God has provided me. Uh, I'm very disciplined as far as eating and drinking and such things are concerned. In fact, uh, I try to uh, use the spiritual side of our system more effectively. I don't let the material side of our system uh, try to rule me. Very good. Very good. It is mind over matter (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I don't let uh, thoughts also, bad thoughts, enter my system and whenever they enter, I try to eradicate them by concentrating upon them, thinking of them and getting rid of them.
0: Because you meditate every day? For uh,
1: every day, every day, at least, at least two hours a day. And I've been doing that for the past 35 years now and that has kept me Healing, and hearty and sane also. <laughs>
0: so basically when you meditate, you sit there and try and remove all thoughts from your... your um, uh, mind.
1: Yes. Thoughts actually were, uh After meditating for so many years, you see, uh, I don't see any bad thoughts even trying to come near me. Never, you see. But sometimes, of course, you know, I do uh, get irritated. Yes, think of that. I don't let any bad thoughts come near me. When I say come near me, uh, come come into my mind. Uh, Because uh, I've been practicing meditation for the past nearly 35 years and I know what impermanence is and I look at everything in its real sense, like, you know, reality. That, you know, it is just a passing phase yes. and it does not sort of, you see, bother me. So I don't get attracted or attached. There's no attachment, there's no attraction. So anything that bothers me disappears automatically.
0: Oh, lovely. Yeah, Lovely. So let's go back to your childhood about when you were a kid in the in the village. Uh,
1: in Not village, you see. We were yeah, and, and we uh, after bo- after being born, uh, I I I don't think I stayed there. We stayed there for more than two months. After that, ah. you see, we came to Kalor, Kalor, and we have been living in Kalor, and that is because you see, uh, my parents they wanted the family, the children to have good education. And the only good education in those days was the Catholic school, the uh, the convent and the brother school. So was this was
0: called St. John's, was
1: it? St. John's, yes. Yeah. St. John's in Kalaw. And then when St. John's got sort of closed, I do not know why they closed it because I was a very young person, as a child at the time. and. So, because you see, there was no good school. <laughs> my parents they decided to yes. leave Kalaw and come to Town G. Town G is another uh, hill sort of, you know, city. It's a big city, decent city in southern Chiang states. And there we got admission into what is known as Saint Anne's Convent. St. Anne's Convent is still there in Taunggyi, and I was there admitted uh, as Kenneth Tao. Kenneth Taong. Kenneth Tao. So, so, before
0: that, your name was... before you got given the name? Uh, we
1: name. Went in, uh, uh, as, as a pet, I was called Kalu. 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 And then, and of course, my my dad... Uh, you know, the he had this name Rye, R U Y Rye. So he was Mister Rye, and and was I that was a family name. Was that a family name? Rye. Uh, I, you know, I mean, uh, they belong to uh, the uh, what what they call it? You see, the name. You know, it has to do with the. Uh, Where you come from, or the profession, or? Uh, no, not profession, you see. It, it, it's the uh, mm, dynasty-like, you know. Okay. You know, I mean, amongst the... Because, you know, I mean, my father was Indian. Right. Uh, and my mother, of course, you see, was part Indian and part Chan. So, I have got Indian blood and Shan blood in me. The Indian side, you see, my dad... His uh, sort of family name or oh, what do you call it? You see, it is like a dynasty, you know. The name that, you know, comes down generation to generation. He was Rai. Right. But he
0: didn't pass that name on to you? No, 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 no. 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 So what, for example, what were your brothers called? What were, were they town as well?
1: Now, you see, the, the name... Tao was, the thing is that, you see, we were, being Buddhist, being Buddhist, you see, we, we were given the name on the day you were born. Right. We don't have surnames. Correct. We don't have surnames, and the name was commensurate, you see, with the day I was born. Which is what? Uh, I'm Friday born. Friday born. So because I'm Friday born, you see, Ta. Ta is Tao, like that, you see. Right. So Ba? Ba, of course, you see, uh, it is father of, you know I mean? Ah, is that what it is? Yeah, that's what it means, father of, you know, millions, father of thousands, you know. I mean, it's uh, eulogizing, you know, it's like sort of, you know, uh, uh, exp- expressing sort of, you know, uh, respect, but none of
0: your your male siblings were bar. You're the you're no. The I'm the only bar. bar. town.
1: Others are you know uh, yeah. different Burmese names. Okay, okay. Different Burmese okay. names, okay. but okay. I'm the only one bar. Okay, okay. So what were you like at school? Yeah. Big what, one. What
0: were you like at school? Were you a, a naughty student, a good student? Can you? What are your memories of the school days in Tangji?
1: I, I was, think of that, you see, I was one of the best students, you know, when it comes to education. And at the same time, I was very active in a sports-like way. I used to do a lot of boxing, and I used to do a lot of soccer, football, play hockey, play cricket. I mean, I did everything, and I tried to excel in it. And as far as education is concerned, you see, I always used to be among the first two, three in the class, always, top of the class. And do you
0: know why that is? Is that just inbuilt into you, or was your parents' your parents' influence, or wh-
1: uh, why? I think, you know, I mean, maybe I was influenced more by my father, and, because um, he, he had passed out from Hewitt college in London, and he came out, you know, he, he, with, with, with credit. He passed very high credit. So I do not know in the college whether they have first or second grade or what, but he was a very well-known student, and he passed out in engineering, civil engineering, from the Hewitt College in London wow. in those days.
0: So he was sent from India to London to study? Or did I mean, live?
1: actually, they have some royalty in them, but I don't claim it, you see. I don't claim it,
0: and... From which state in India? Big one? Do you know which state in India you came from, your father's, uh, family, father's family?
1: You see, actually, they belong to... My father actually belongs to uh, the, the princely state of Patiala.
0: We are, know, yes,
1: yes, Patiala and, because think of that, we were in fact very much perse- persecuted by the Muslims, you know, and so my parents and all, they had to run away from Patiala to Rajasthan. Yeah. And from Rajasthan, they came to Punjab and they were hiding in, in Punjab, the village, in Punjab, that is near Ludhiana, They were hiding there and that's where, you see, my father met the mother, they got married and from there they came to Burma.
0: With, with a bit in between when he went to study in England.
1: He went to he went to study in England, you see, because, you know, uh, they had some assistant being, belonging to some royal family or something like that, you see, they, they, they had some uh, support from the people in London, in England. Okay. And that's how, you see. Okay. uh, They were three brothers, three brothers, my dad, his brother, and the other one. The eldest one, of course, he did not study... But the other two, my dad, he became an engineer, and the other brother became a doctor from London. And stayed in England? And, and, and they came back. To mm. India or Burma? India. No. no. They, they came back to... Uh, uh, my, my, my dad came to Burma. Right. And the other brother, he remained behind in uh, India. Right, right. So, going back again to
0: your childhood, so when you were about um, uh, seven or eight, the uh, Second World War started.
1: The Second World War started when, uh, for 1942, 1942 at that time I was uh, eight, nine. Eight, nine. And and what do you remember about, what what did you have to do
0: when, in those years?
1: Well, I mean, we, uh, I remember, you see, we going to, uh, the airport, uh, because thing is that my dad had got tickets to leave Burma and fly to India.
0: Yeah, because he was a senior Because on account of
1: the Second World War approaching yeah. the country, so he he got tickets for the whole family, and we went to the airport. And just before we reached the airport, the airport got bombed, and the airport got bombed and. So we could not fly, and in fact, that airport closed away. And so since there's no other way to leave that place, so we uh, we went to a village where my dad had friends, you see, uh, and we used to live in a cow shed. And that's how, you see, we started the Second World War. How long did you live in the cow shed? Uh, I mean, it was from cow to cow shed, but in between, we did live in a, in a small bungalow also because the Japanese, you know, they wanted my dad to work for them, so he worked for the Japanese for a few months, and while he was working for the Japanese for a few months, they gave him a very good bungalow to live in, and we stayed there. I remember that. But after that, you see... With the intensive bombing and strafing, we decided that we will not live in any town or city. So, we went back to the cow <laughs> We went into the... So, most of the four years, the Second World War, we lived in the cow And was the
0: strafing or the bombing from the British or the Japanese or... Uh, from
1: the British, the British. In, Initially, of course... The first one month, it was Japanese, but after that, it was British. And so, no education during that period? No education at all. Only thing is that my dad used to teach me mathematics.
0: Which is one of your favourite?
1: Yeah, it is one of my subjects, a subject. And any of your siblings also have this
0: desire to learn? Of your siblings, your brothers and sisters, were they also
1: interested in education? Um, the uh, education in the sense means uh, those who were elder than me. The uh, one was Jesse; he was elder than me. and Then Xavier and George, they were they were working
0: already working. Okay. They were
1: working. I mean, of course, you know. I mean, whatever work they could get, so they started working as. Uh, line in, uh, railway line inspectors railway line inspectors you know under the Japanese because since my dad was an engineer, you know he had some connections and all he recommended them, and they became workers in the railways
0: so basically the Japanese during that period they, you know was not bad for the locals you know the the japanese uh
1: The administration was not bad, but some of the forces that managed the administration, some of the officers, they were rather very, uh, I will not use the word cruel, but you see, they were very, uh, like, you know, abusive and they used to beat, hit, slap, for them it was just routine. You want anything, you just slap the guy and tell him to do this, do that, you know. Very, I mean, uh, most uncivilised, most uncivilised. But not all. But but not all. Not Not, all. Not not all, not all. Not all but of
0: you that. weren't scared, your father
1: was was your father scared? were your parents scared or you no no, my father was the thing he only passed away after the war immediately after the war he passed away because my eldest brother he was benefited by the Japanese when I say benefited by the Japanese it's because he was trying to escape. he was trying to run away and because you know he had an Anglo. Indian type of feature, so they did not know, you see, whether, you know, he was a good person or what, because, you know, he looked like a foreign man they just killed him, yeah. Oh, dear. So, with that shock, you see, my dad, you see, he did not not last long. Oh, eh? the tragedy of that affected your father? Yes, it affected my father.
0: Well, presumably the rest of you too. Begum? Pres- presumably it affected all of you. Oh, it affected all of
1: us, yes. Because thing is, then, you see, my mother, she sold all her jewellery. Yeah, she lost her... Yeah, you know, we. She sold all her jewellery. And my other eldest brother, the second eldest brother, Xavier, he opened a shop, you know, a ration shop, you see, rice and peas and this and that, in the village itself, you see. And with that, you see, uh, and I used to help my brother in the shop. And the others, of course, you see, they went to school and, of course, the the convent and the brother's school, they helped us. So this is St. Anne's still? St. St.
0: Anne's? Is this St. Anne's where we're talking about now, Tangji? What was the school you went to there?
1: this is at Maimyo, we oh, went Mimeo. to St. Albert's, okay. St. Albert's, and then St. Joseph, my sisters and all, they went to St. Joseph, and the thing is that, you see, they were kind, they did not take the full amount, okay. you know, they gave us a special concession, right. and that is really, you know, so nice of them, and they did not force us to become Christian or anything of that sort, no, nothing. They were just kind to us because we were good and poor.
0: <laughs> good and poor, right? And so, towards the end of your schooling, did you? What did you? Did you know what you wanted to do? Uh,
1: yes, I wanted to actually become a doctor. I was, you know, thinking, hoping to become a doctor, and but because you see, I had no <laughs> no support from the family, because the thing is that to go to the university, you need to have financing. And so here, you see, I was helping my brother, one side in the shop, and the other side, I want to study, and the other side, you see, I have my brothers and sisters who are studying, and for them, you see, we need payment, financing. So, I was active in that sense, helping my brother. (laughs) and financing them and after that, so I, with the help of some of the people, my friends you see, I got a job in the, as a telephone operator I got a job as a telephone operator and I used to work in the night. Part-time job. Part-time job, you see. I used to work. They arranged it for me in such a way that I could work at night, get paid for it, and then I could study in Manly College. Study what? You know, science. 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 Because, you know, I mean, we don't have... From, from year one, you know, we don't have medicine or, you know, we have intermediate. Okay. So we have intermediate of science and intermediate of arts. If you want to go into arts, you see, you go into IA. If you want to go into science and, you know, medicine or engineering, you go into ISC, the intermediate of science. And I went into intermediate of science. I studied study, and I did pretty well, and I passed intermediate of science. And there I was, you see, intermediate of science, and I could not go to the medical college because there's no one to look after me right. or pay for it. Right. So I had friends who had not even passed the intermediate, but they had passed the matriculation, they had passed the high school, and they came to me saying that, you know, let's join the military. So th- this was in May, What
0: year would we be talking about? What year would we be
1: talking about, do you think? Oh, 1951. 51, I think. He said, let's join the military. Now, I did not know that the military was looking for ISC, Intermediate of Science People, no, because they want to train engineers and Doctors for the Army, we didn't have any, we hardly had any engineers in the army nineteen fifty one you can imagine yes we just you know we, the army had just been formed they just yeah. got independence and so what happened is uh i was you know i I did not know about it, all I knew was I was looking after my brother, I was looking after my mother, and then I was also you know. Because then uh, Mr. Evans, he was uh, uh, the district uh, engineer of telecoms. And he was so kind enough for for giving me a job in Meimu itself. So I used to sort of, you know, work in the uh, telephone department at night in Meimu itself. And the daytime I used to help my brother with the shop. So when my friends, they said, Kenneth, let's join the army. I said, that looks nice, sounds nice. So we joined the army. We decided to join the army, and we had to go to mall, uh, Mendeley. From Memeo to Mendeley is about 40 miles. We had to go there for the interview. and. And by chance, you know, I mean, uh, it, it is not a routine. But thing is that during the interview, who happened to turn up was General Nawin. Goodness gracious. You see, I mean, he he normally does not uh, go to all these places. He's head of the army. But I believe, you see, he was passing by. He was in that area and he appeared while I was being interviewed (laughs) and I remember him asking me one question and that question was a very funny question. He he asked me and he, this is in English, he asked me, "Um, you are, you know, fighting the enemy and you have reached, the place where the enemy is and while you are about to get rid of the enemy in the last phase and you get an order saying stop everything and come back will you get rid of the enemy or you will just come back so I, you know, I mean, I said you know, an order is an order so uh, since I've been ordered to come back, I said, you know, I have to come back. I'll stop everything. <laughs> and some or the other, he liked it and he remembered it. And he remembered it. because that was a very funny question. You were in the last stages of operation, you are about to get rid of the enemy, and at that time, you see, at the spur of the moment, you are told ordered, to come back immediately. So I say an order is an order so I, I will listen to the order. I will obey the order. And he liked it. So I, I, I was... Uh, so you got into the army. I got into the army. I got into the army and I... We had to go to Mingladom. We had to go to Mingladom Which is for just basic our- military... Basic Military BATD Burma Army Training Depot BATD which other people did not have to go but I had to go and some of my other friends also they had to go they went to BATD and we were there for
0: four months This is just outside uh, Yangon isn't it? Yangon,
1: Yes that's right next to the airport you see uh, and there I we were there for four months and and then uh, it was end of the year 1951. Yeah, you're 20 years old. Yeah, 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 19, uh, 1952. 1952, we passed out from Minglado and we had to come to Mimyo. We came by boat up the, up Irrawaddy. the river Irrawaddy. And there, I became an officer cadet in the officer training school in Mamio. Officer training school in Mamio. And we had to... uh, And I passed out from the officer training school in Mamio in August, in August 20th. August 20th, 1952. Oh, a few days' time. Yes, Literally. yes, yes. I passed out from... And then I was sent to the Ber- Sixth Burma Rifles. It's a infantry battalion. And there I was a platoon commander fighting against the Chinese, the... BCP, the Burmese Communist Party, the KNDO, and I was there, and uh, and then you see. So I, you saw action. I, I was in action, action, action. I I got wounded also. Yes. I got wounded also, but you know, in fact, I got recommended also for for gallantry award. I have a piece of paper. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and after that, I led a company. I led a company in 1954. So you're
0: a lieutenant or lieutenant? Lieutenant.
1: lieutenant. Yeah. I was a lieutenant. I was uh, leading a company in, on the Burma-Thai border. We had the big mine. The wolfram mines of Burma, very big mine, Nam mine, and I was there. And uh, so, after capturing the mine, um, uh, the, some of the senior officers they came to see. You see, you know how we, it, it's just on the border. And, and who was that person who was they went? As a general, you see, at the, that time he came to see, and, 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 and the only officer who was there to, you know, capable to give him a salute, like, you know, got of honor salute. It was me. With, uh, with my whole troops, you know, lined up, she gave him, uh, you know, daughter of honor, salute. And as he was passing by, he looked at me and he said, He lifted his finger and he pointed the finger at me. And he said, What are you doing here? I said, Sir, I'm enjoying. I used the word I'm enjoying. So, That night, at the guest night, you see, when elderly people, they come, you see, we have mess night, guest night. There, you see, he called me and he said, what are you doing here? Aren't you? You know, I mean, he remembered me because he's the one who asked me the question. So, I said, I mean, I could not go into engineering or into um, the thing I I like the army I said I'm happy here and he said you know you should study more that's all he didn't say much and after one week after exactly one week I got orders from Rangoon the war office saying that Kenneth come and report to the war office in Rangoon. So within 10 days, you see, uh, I had to go from the front line. I had to go to the war office and report there that I'm back. So I was told to go and see a certain colonel, Colonel Tinso. He is the commander of the um, Burmese electrical and mechanical engineers. Is a, a, It's a, yeah. you know, because the army has, you know, different, you know, they have engineers, they have signals, they have medical. So this is, you know, Burma you electrical and mechanical engineers. And I had to go and he, and he said, you know, we are sending you to India. We are sending you to India. I said, for what, sir? He to study. Do you know that you have been selected to go to India to study engineering degree? And that is in Pune, the College of Military Engineering in Pune.
0: Outside Bombay.
1: Outside of Bombay. And there, you know, within a month I was there. Within a month I was there. and. I had lots of experience there, I had to study, because the thing is that most of the Indian, Ar- Indian Army officers were BSc, MSc, all highly educated, basic this thing, and I was there at ordinary ISC and it was not very easy to compete with the Indians, but I managed it <laughs> and I did well. And I did well. How long were you there for? Three years. Three years? Three years three years then it is equivalent to five years because no leave, no no holiday, nothing. Continuously studying, studying, studying. What sort of engineering did you study? Uh, mechanical and electrical with machine design. Wow. And was this a Masters or a Bachelor? Uh, it is better than, you know, I mean, uh, as far as, think of that. If you look at the number of days that, you see, in in, in a civilian engineering college teaches, you see, and the number of days that we studied, our syllabus was twice as much as the civilian engineering. And no holidays. No holidays, no holidays. Maximum is three or four days in a year. And so the thing is that uh, we did not get an MSc or... A BSc or something on the side. What we got was a uh, member of the Society of Engineers India, which is equivalent to MSc. Right, right. Member of the Society of Engineers. And, and we had professors from the Engineering College uh, from London. I'm sure. You know, who used to come and teach us and examine us, you see, and all those things. So, after passing that, I was told to open, after coming back to Burma, I was told to open a, a school of military engineering for the Burmese army. Wow. So, are we talking mid 50s now? Uh, yes, 58, 57, 58. And you're not married still? That is the time I got married. <laughs> that is the time I got married. 58, I got 57. End of 57, 58, I got married. And how did that
0: happen? Where, had you known your wife uh, a long while or...? The
1: uh, thing is that uh, I had uh, friendship with her brother. Okay. I He liked me and I liked it. because the thing is that you see it is more or less an arranged marriage. It was not love marriage or anything. so I did get to see her picture and I liked her and so I did ask him you see to find out whether she'll be interested in an ordinary lieutenant. At the time I had just become a captain. <laughs> <laughs> and so we got married, but the thing is that I was, I was told to open a school of military engineering and I was running the school. We had three portions, electrical, mechanical and civil. I used to take care of the electrical and mechanical part of the study. It is a diploma course and I, we had a few hundred civilian boys who would join the army in the future as engineers. And I used to teach them when on the 28th of October, on the 28th of October, 1958, I get a phone call from General Neven's office to report to the secretariat because 28th October was the day Prime Minister Unu had handed over the power to General Neh Nguyen, that is the caretaker government regime. So the caretaker government regime was formed and and some officers from the military, there were six officers who were seconded to the s- s- civilian government, that is, to help General Naivin in running this caretaker government regime, there were six officers, and the w- one was General uh, Leptner uh, Brigadier Aungji. the second was Brigadier Tephe, the third was Colonel Sainwin. Sainwin at that time he had not become a Brigadier, Colonel Sainwin. Then. Uh, The fourth was uh, Colonel Kenyo Kenyo. And the fifth was uh, Lieutenant Colonel Somyate. And the sixth, I do not know why, but you see, it was me,
0: Captain Captain
1: Kebatao. I was surprised, you know. I said, you know, I mean, all those big shots are there. But here, you see, Captain K. Barthown. So I, naturally, I went and paid my respect to General Daewyn. And I said, sir, national planning? I said, I'm just an engineer. I'm just an engineer, national planning. And he told me, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) He told me, shut up. He said, I'll tell you what to do. You go and take charge of your office. So I went to the Ministry of National Planning. The secretary of the Ministry of National Planning was an elderly person, Uthmaung and he was very nice to me. He said, "He, yeah, I mean, I'm a young boy compared to him." And he said, "Sir," he called, called me, "Sir," uh, you know, be comfortable. <laughs> we will discuss. So that's how you see I came into this thing, and then. I started working very closely with General Nae Win. He was the Minister for National Planning, ah. so and he wanted me to be in his ministry. And uh, the responsibility that was given to me was all the projects, engineering projects, procurement of engineering equipment. All procurement of engineering equipment machine has to be approved by me. I have to do research into it, look whether, you see, first of all, we have to see whether what they need, the various ministries and the government department or anyone, what they need is whether it is available locally to save money. If it is not available locally, okay, what exactly do they need? <coughs> and to sort of, you know, look into the specification and look into the necessity and after vetting it to decide and after the de- deciding to give authorization to purchase my God, you know, and I was there and that's the time, you see, when all the big, big ambassadors from various countries used to come and meet this Captain. Yeah, you're 27 <laughs> years old. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine, you see? And there are was, you see, you know, a young man and the ambassadors and this and that. Because the thing is that, you see, this is not small money. Yeah. This is big money and they want to sell their wares. They want to have closer relationship. With so, the new government. And that's what, you see, I was... And I... After this, what happened is, I... After sort of, you know, fulfilling my duty here, once we handed over, General Nevin handed over the power to UNU after the Catholic government regime task was done. He handed over the power to UNU and I had to go back to the military to to get my rank. Because there in the civilian side you see, I was just a captain. Yeah. So to become a major I had to go to mean. That is the engineering unit. You know, we have a unit. So I became the head of that unit. And that is the time you see when, you know, uh Colonel Chi Colonel Maulin, they were there in Molming. And later on, Tinsui, Colonel Tinsui also came there. And Kenyo also came there. Kenyo was Tin PA at that time. And there I was, you see, head of the engineering unit. And and that is the time, you see, when General Newin visited to inspect the units, and he we, he remembered me, and he and you know we were looking at some of the hills around Malmine, and all the hills were bald, and he and of course Townkey General Colonel Townkey, he says, uh, look, you know, I mean these. The hills have become bald because all the trees have been chopped off for firewood. I said, for what? To cook the seawater, to boil the seawater and make salt, because Burma was the country that depended upon import of salt. We did not have our own salt. We used to get salt from India, we used to get salt from Thailand, and... We didn't have our own salt. So the people who used to make salt in Burma, they used to boil, just boil the seawater and make it into salt. And that's how all the trees and all, you know, the hills have become bald-like, without trees. He said, you know, do I? And General Nehman said, you know, can I do something? Now I am an engineer. I've got nothing to do with seawater. <laughs> I've got nothing to do with seawater. So can Colonel said, okay, we we will see what we can do. So he told me to study the salt industry while I was commanding officer of the BME. So so what I did, I I went to Jack Me. Chakmi is a village where uh, people, they boil salt. They make salt. So I went there and we have a research station, about 20 acres of land where the seawater is pumped on. And there you see, I opened my office there into salt field for nearly three months and I learned what is the salt industry. And that's where I learned that you know, you can evaporate the seawater in stages and it can become solar salt. But I didn't how did not know how to do it on a nice commercial multi scale. Mm-hmm. So Colonel Tangchi and Colonel they said Kenneth, you go to India? So and see how they do it. So I went with some of my boys, I went to Gujarat. I went to Gujarat and then the Tatars, you know, they had the salt field. So I went there to see how the salt water is pumped onto the, the uh, land and stages by stages as the salt water, becomes saltier. they, you know, I learned quite a good bit and after that I went to Thailand there I was there for about 3-4 days then I said yeah we can do it but thing is that Malmin or Burma you see is a place where the rainfall is very high So, will it be possible to make solar salt? it is not easy to make solar salt with the rain. Yeah. Solar salt is made In Gujarat and all that, hardly any rain. In Thailand also, where they make the rainfall is less than half of that, what we get here. And then I said, let me try it. So I tried it, and we managed to get, the quantity was less, but we produced solar salt. So, Tung said, don't do it on 20 or 30 acres, let us do it on a bigger plot of land. So, he gave me 700 acres in Sese. Sese is, you see, is a beach area, very beautiful beach area. So, 700 acres he gave me, so with the help of the irrigation engineers, I designed, you know, with, you know, we got bulldozers and scrapers and all to level up, even up, you know, form salt fields. And we made, you know, we pumped the seawater and by gravity, you know, fed them plot by plot, stage by stage. As the uh, salinity came up, we shifted it to the next plot. Like that, you see we started producing solar salt and Nguyen was so pleased you know Nguyen was so pleased he said you know you leave the army you come to me, Rangoon so I was posted to Rangoon I was I became the commissioner of salt industry <laughs> <laughs> commissioner of salt industry I what, and this then is 60?
0: Uh, 1960 with this video or when was it? That was in 1964. 64. And are you then a major at that stage, or is, are you a major then, or are you ca- captain still? I was
1: a senior major. Oh, okay, <laughs> senior major. And uh, in fact, I was in the lineup for a, a bigger promotion, and uh, uh, then they. Uh, I, I had my own office and all, you know, my own thing all over Burma, and then um, so I added a few more thousand of acres, few more in Panga that is near Sasse, one thousand acres there, then near Bessin, three thousand acres there. We started producing such a lot of salt. We did not know what to do with it. So, Colonel Taunchi, he was, at the time, he became also the minister for agriculture and forest. So I told him, sir, what will I do with the salt? There's no place to keep it. He said, give it over to the Trade Corporation number 2. So I told the Trade Corporation number 2 that I've been told to hand over the salt to you. They said, okay. So they had such a lot of salt on their hands that they reported, you know, that you know they didn't know what to do with the salt. So we started exporting salt. We started exporting salt, Peter. And so while the salt was going on, you see, I was told to also look after the pearl and fishery. I got an instruction from General Newman that. I should also take care of the pollen Fishery. And pollen Fishery is a different organization sure. altogether. Fishing vessels and all. We, at the time, you know, we had uh, captured a lot of Taiwanese fishing vessels. They used to come and poach in Burmese waters. And those fishing vessels were there. And, 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 you know, I mean, I do not know. They did not know how to use them. They did not know how to sort of, you see, uh, organize this fishing fisheries and pearls. And, and I was there in a dilemma because here, you see, I'm an engineer in charge of the salt. Okay, we have plenty of salt now, but now I have to take care of the fishing vessels, the fishing, you know, I had to reorganize the pearl and fishery. And while I was reorganizing the pollen fishery, uh, General Neh told me to look after the Rangoon zoological garden. So I became the chairman of Rangoon, a young boy. I was, you know, <laughs> the chairman of Rangoon zoological garden. Did you see him re- regularly? Did you see General Neh Nguyen regularly? Yes, that period? yes, yes. Because the thing is that later on you see whatever he wanted to do something he used to call me and you know because i used to read a lot and i could sort of if he asked me a question i did not hum and haw i told him what i thought was what nothing to please him or to do the same and he liked that and he always had me with him at least once a week would he could you argue with him or it... yes i did i I did argue with him a couple of times and though of course you know he sniffed at me but you know he told his daughter you know he's the only one who dares to tell me what is what. So I, I took that as a positive sign but I did not argue with him anymore. But I did sort of guide him and that's why the Rohingyas also, you see, I used to... <laughs> uh, but There are many things you know I would... Like to sort of you know tell you because thing is that I did the. Pollen fishery while looking after the salt. He wanted me to look after the livestock. So livestock also, I tried to help them also. Were you still in the military? Yes, at that time I was still in the military, I was still in the military. But in 1973, 74. Seventy-four, you know, we were told that, you know, to take off your uniform and to join the civil side. And were you happy to do that? I was not happy. I was not happy. But uh, I was told that, you know, uh, we have to do it as a responsibility, duty towards the state. I said, yes, as a you know, since you order me, I will have to obey. So we were made to sort of you know uh, take away our uniform, become civilians and and then uh, we organized the pearl and fishery giving them incentives because no one was giving them if they if they catch hundred ways of 100 kilos of fish, 10 10 charts. If they uh, capture 1,000 kilos of fish, 10 charts. I said no. I said you know we should give incentive. Right. If you catch more, you get more. Which wasn't a socialist idea. So I mean, they're, but this was not socialist idea. You see, and that's where you see the, uh, the people from the Burmese way to socialism. They they became anti Kennedy. They didn't like it, but some of the officers in the Burmese Socialist Party, they so supported me.
0: But that, that also must have, the fact that you became close to Nay Win must have created jealousy I mean, and enemies too. You see, that, that is what,
1: you know, because thing is that we do have, because uh, this is my this thing, uh, view you know, for, because Nguyen, though, of course, you know, he was a learned person in his way and he wanted to do good for the country, but he was regarded as a dictator. He was sort of regarded as a dictator and, and for a dictator to be able to, you know, do things, you know, he needs what is known as henchmen. A dictator can only be powerful or successful if he has good, reliable henchmen. Now, what happened is, because, you see, General Nevin used to discuss with me, and he used to take my ideas, and the henchmen, that is the intelligence people, the senior intelligence people, they told me, not once, but many times, that Kenneth, you know, they have a responsibility to look after General Naywin. So, please come and tell us what he tells you. And there, General Naywin tells me, one-on-one, where I'm with him every week. And he tells me, Kenneth, he says, what I'm telling you is in between you and me. Said, between you and me? Don't share it with anyone. Now, what can I do? Here is the president, the head of the country, telling me not to tell anyone. There, the, the the henchman, the head of the henchmen, the intelligence bureau. Spooks. Yes, exactly. Telling me that, you know, to share everything. And so what happened, you see? There was open enmity. I did not become enemies of anyone, but they started disliking me, hitting me and after, you know, we succeeded in the pearl industry. Oh my God, you know, in fact, Dr. Sato from Japan, he's a pearl expert in Japan. He told me, he said, uh, Mr. Kibatam San, he said, you know, your pearl industry is the best in the world. Now, this is Dr. Sato. Know, Mikimoto Pearl people wow. telling me that mine is the best in the whole world. And there you see, you know, and we produce such a lot of pearl. And we are still producing that. We're still producing that. And they they did not you know, because they were not interested in the development of the economy or the administration. They were more or less Interested in their own position, position, and you know what they could derive, uh, what they could get out of it. So what happened then? Well, uh, for no rhyme or reason, you see, I I had to go to Moscow. <laughs> that is the insane jail. Uh, you know, I mean. Uh, so they trumped, they, they trumped up a charge. Big one. They trumped up a charge. Trumped up, yes, trumped up. You see, there's a very uh, everyone knows, you know, because thing is that we had called for tenders to buy fishing vessels, and the loan was provided to us by the Asian Development Bank. This is known as a soft loan, no interest, and it is a U.S. dollar loan. So, the countries that are under ADB, you know, they can sort of participate in the tender offer, the boats that they will provide us. So, we got, you know, offers from America, UK, from, uh, you know, from many countries, from Japan and from Korea. So, what I did is, you see, which is, of course, my duty is to draw up a comparative chart of all the tenders as to what is the what are the specifications, what is what we need, and this is what they have offered, and this is the price. And we have to send this comparative chart to Asian Development Bank. And Asian Development Bank goes through the whole thing and then they say, okay. So what they decided was they decided to purchase from South Korea, Hyundai, the Hyundai fishing vessel produced by the Hyundai uh, organization. So, I said, all right, I put it up to my minister. My minister said, okay, you know. So, while we were in the process of signing the contract, we were signing the contract in U.S. dollars what happened is the Korean won which has got nothing to do with our, you know, with the uh, purchase because yeah. our purchase is in U.S. dollars, the loan is in U.S. dollars and their country internal problem, they devalued their won. The Korean won. It was 760, from 760 it became 960. From 761 to $1, it became 960 to $1. So, so, when that happened, you see, I asked my uh, accountant people, What do I do? They said, uh, Sir, we, this is US dollar loan. I said, Please ask the ADB. So we phoned up the ADB, and the ADB said it's got nothing to do. It is a personal problem. So I, I, you know, naturally, instead of sort of humming and hoeing and sitting on it, you see, I just signed, I said, prepare to sign the contract. So we had only signed the contract, and no order had been sort of handed over or anything. A report was made. To the general, that you see, I have misused my post and sort of, you know, uh, that means say, I have benefited by 200 won for every dollar. Okay. Okay. So, I said, I have not bought it. I, you know, this is... And then, you know, I've asked the ADB, they say it's got nothing to do, it's their personal yeah. Country affair. Yeah. But for that they charged me and they they sort of uh, put me behind bars. For how long? So for seven and a half years. And never you were never found guilty? You were never, no, no, never no. nothing. Never, guilty. never, never. So but you does... see, up till now, but you know they, they took away all my benefits. They took away my pension. You see. And of course you see I had a wonderful lawyer, Uma Mongji. You are taking and and, and uh, he said you got Henry. Henry, Henry. Henry. Yeah. So Henry said, Don't worry, you know, he said, you know, we'll get rid of all of this. But poor thing what happened is he died. He passed away. So and his assistant also, he also passed away. And there you see I am and, and, and then General Nawen is so kind, you know. He tells everyone, you know, my Kenneth he does not smell. Because that's the Burmese way of saying that I am innocent, that I've got nothing that I've done nothing wrong. That means say there's no smell coming out of Kenneth. And so his whole family still, you know, very close to me. They love me. Because, you know, I mean, most of them, they grew up in my hand. But he didn't intervene. He did not intervene because, you see, I do not know, because henchmen... He did tell the henchman, you know, if you are right, take action against Kenneth. Otherwise, you will have to suffer. So, that henchman, he had to go in. The henchman then... Had, uh, to you. He went to jail. Yeah, he went to something else for
0: something else. Right, for something else. So tell me about your life in
1: the jail. Uh, In jail? Yeah. Oh my God, you know, jail. You know, they call it Moscow. I mean, the, the. uh, I mean, the hygiene is horrible. Hygiene is horrible. The food is horrible nothing is good about it, you see. No. Physically,
0: there's no torture? No, no,
1: no. no. Torture, you see, when, when they were trying to interrogate me, the first thing, they did try to torture me. They did not allow me to sleep. No sleep at all. Whenever I, you know, get I, I, when I try to doze off, you see, there are people there to see that I don't sleep. And then, you know, mentally, mental torture, Yes, mental torture. And then later on, they came to a stage, after one week, after one week of this torture, they came to a stage, you see, where they said that they will use what is known as third degree. I do not know what is third degree. But I believe, you see, they were going to give me shocks because I've, I've seen people being beaten there in, in front of me in the jail where interrogation is being taken place. I see, you know, beating. I see even monks beaten up, you know, undressed, beaten up. People being sort of slogged, beaten up. And I believe, you see, they used to give, uh, I do not know, I have not seen it myself, but they used to say that electric shocks were given, but no shock was given to me. But I was mentally, mentally harassed, tortured. Tortured, uh, I think uh, somebody else, uh, anybody else would have become mad. And I think you
0: said you were in solitary confinement for a long while. Yes, you know uh, they, they
1: they they kept me in confinement. Confinement, no talking, no sleeping. But after one week, you see, when I told them, you know, do whatever you want to do, I said I'll sign wherever, you know, whatever. And I am still sort of, you know, without any benefits. But I don't care. I don't care. Oh, but did you sign a confession? Uh, I had to sign on a blank sheet of paper, I had to, then, then only they allowed me to sleep. There's no confession. What is this? I know, I know. No, because thing is that, you see, there's dollar and one. Yeah, yeah, I understand. You see. So you don't know what they did but with the blank did, sheet of paper. I do not know what they, because I remember the, uh, there's one senior BSI officer. I knew him before. So he was also one of those who was trying to interrogate me, and he told me quietly that, Kenneth, you know, you need a good lawyer. There's nothing wrong with you, but you need a very good lawyer to put some sense. So I had Henry, and all along everything was fine. Yes, I did sort of, you know, agree to signing the contract. They devalued their, their thing, it was There's not nothing, my doing yeah it, it was their
0: economy i I heard from Harry, our mutual friend Harry. He said at one stage after you've been in there for some time, they actually gave you like you had your own little area in the prison. Is that right or wrong mm-hmm. after some time, some yeah. years in there, you were given your own little area in the prison. you know you weren't treated like everybody else. Is that true, or were you the whole seven and a half years?
1: treated I was, badly? thing is that, you see, uh, I was kept in the hospital. I was kept in the hospital. I mean, thing is that uh, the case was still going on. You see, I was never a prisoner. I was never uh, something. I was there under lock and key. Like on remand, we'd call it in our yeah, something like that. You hadn't
0: been hadn't been found guilty. No, no, period. no, and they kept on, you know, and they did. They did
1: not want to finish it.
0: Harry told me this story. I don't know if it's true, but each you used to be able to get Time magazine because they wrap wrap all the pieces of fruit in. Yes, the, yes, so. yes.
1: I mean, they did not allow me to read anything, but Harry, you know, see, he was very. Innovative, you see the you know, one apple, you know so half a
0: magazine. So he would buy the magazine, the current magazine in English, English. which yes. they couldn't read. Yeah. And then he'd wrap different pieces of fruit yeah in them. So you could open it I up. I
1: could I could read that there. That's what you see. I mean think innovation, you know. They helped me with that. Okay. So the
0: so you're able to read Time magazine, um but I you know, so it was really just the length of time you were in there in the end that your family was outside you had no uh, no pension it was very difficult time for your family very very there there is another story i don't know whether it's true about that period yes that they people worked out that there's a way to free you to that you could have escaped
1: oh yes then there there was uh when i was in the when i was In the hospital, there is a place that is known as the Guard Ward where prisoners or, you know, those who are undergoing trial and all are given medical treatment. And I was there for some time and there were some friends of mine who wanted to sort of hijack me, take me out of that place. And they, in fact, had the boat and all ready. Yeah, the underground route to get
0: out of. Yes, the no,
1: I mean, they were just going to put me onto a vessel and that vessel would have taken me to Malaysia or to Thailand. They had arranged everything. They came to me and they said, you know, but, but I said, you see, I, it's okay for me. But I know, you see, they will play hell with my children and my family and others, you see, for no rhyme or reason. And I said, you see, I want to, because I, I have no guilt. I have not done anything wrong. I said, I will face it. In fact, I wanted to face them. I wanted them to uh, continue with the examination of my case, my trial. They did not. They just came, you know, took the next date and then next date they came, they took another date. Like that it kept on going. Seven and a half years. Seven and a half years. But during
0: the at the end of the time, the man who is responsible for all of this, he too was imprisoned. Yes, he was in prison, yes. I met him there. You met him there. (laughs) And was there guilt on his side or you know, how did he... How,
1: what do you remember? I think is that well, when when he met me in the loka, he said, Kenneth, you're still here. You're supposed to be out. That is what he told me. Which you don't believe, I now don't believe it, you know, because the thing is that there are so many people there. Because what happened is that, you see, with me being there as head of the Berlin Fishery They could not steal the pearls. They could not steal the fish. They could not sort of, you know, uh, put their hand, you know, into those uh, golden coffers, you know. They could not. And they were very... Because they used to steal money from the government. Sure. Oh, my God. Openly, you know. And I was really surprised. Sure.
0: So, how long did he stay in? Do you know how long the gentleman who you met in Japan... Yeah, jo- nearly uh, five years, I think. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and when you came out, you saw Na Win? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Uh, almost two or three times, you know. And he wanted me to, uh, he wanted me to uh, uh, answer as to, what would you like to do? Uh, I said, nothing, sir. I said, nothing, sir. I said, I'm happy. I told him that, you know, I am glad I spent some time in the lockup because now my mind is woken up. That is what I told him. I do not know how these words, they came out of my mouth, you know, that, you see, my mind is awakened now. I don't need anything. I said, I'm very happy with what I am. So and in fact all that i was hoping was you know very soon i will become a pensioner that's all but that never came you see. and i was waiting for henry to to put it up you see to the court to
0: so you to came out before the case was completed you 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 came out of prison before the case
1: I, uh, was no, I mean, the case was more or less thing is that, you see, you know, they held me guilty on benefiting with the exchange, exchange rate right. of the bond. That's yeah. all. Yeah. And they think that, you see, I made some millions of dollars. We never bought it. We never got it. <laughs> but this is how things have been going here. yeah. yeah. Not only me; there are others also in you bonora know, no or region. So you got no pension? pension no, 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 no pension, nothing. So what year did you come out?
0: Nineteen eighty-seven, which is just before the student riots. Yeah, yeah, next year. Yeah. So yeah, I met you. Obviously, it was after you came out. It might yeah, be exactly. 1990, exactly. Ninety or something That's like that. That's
1: right. That's yeah. right. Be there. That's right. But then you went into business? You were successful in business? Oh, no. I mean... The thing is that, you see, my business would have been more successful if the military wouldn't have sort of, you know, in because we were doing timber, we were doing so many things. Everything was successful. Cigarettes. We were doing it systematically. Yeah. But the military came and they took over.
0: Yeah. A sign that uh, certainly Nay b- Win uh, was... Well disposed to you. I mean, you went into business with one of the the son in law, correct?
1: Uh, Isol Win. Isol Win. You see, because I'm the one who uh, designed and started this Polo 9 cigarette. He was there, Tang Win, Mr. Kim, Hu Tae You see, for four, five of us, you see, we started this. And I'm the one who designed it. Here's I'm the list. one who gave the name. It was very popular. It it was. It was popular and it would have sort of, you know, but again, you know, it was so difficult to get the tobacco this and that, you know. And every move that we tried to sort of make, there was something or the other being sort of put in a, a, a like an impediment coming in. And they did not allow us to succeed.
0: So, as a result of all of that, you got fed up, as it were, and like, you, you
1: got fed up with the way it was oh, going. Oh, no, we... The uh, thing is that then, you see, then what happened is uh, the politics started, you see. That is the time, you see, when, you know, NLD, this, that, and uh, And then um, I had this ulwin. Who was the uh, who became the general secretary, general secretary of NLD, and he could see people were still very jealous and afraid of me, and he told me, "He said Kenneth, back up." He told me, "He said Kenneth, if you continue here, they'll keep on harassing you." And I was being harassed through and through, one way or the other. Think thing like if I want to do something, you know, they want to come and, you know, put a brick.
0: Is this still MI, still military intelligence causing these problems,
1: or it's just the military not liking competition? You know, the, the, the military organisation is still... Think thing is, from where does the military wield the power, information? And the information they get is from the intelligence. They have, you see, various rages, various levels. I mean, can you, no, I mean, he had his own group. They removed it, but they they had the other groups. If, if they have one group, they have another one counter, and then they have the counter, counter, like that. It's
0: No one, no trust of anyone? No
1: trust in anyone.
0: So you moved to America?
1: I I moved to the United States. Where your
0: daughter... With my daughter, yeah. And you remained there for, that's why I haven't seen you for so long. Yes,
1: I was there only, I was taking care of them. How
0: many years did more than 10? How many years were you in America, 10? I mean, you came back... Nearly 20 years. Nearly
1: 20 years, that's why I haven't seen you at the time. The thing is that, you see, I used to come back, come... you know, uh, and then go back again, come, go back again. And now, now you're back. Now I'm back. <laughs> back
0: for good. Back for good, yes. So, came back in 2017, last year or this year,
1: 2019? Uh, I... no, I, uh, I did come 2016, but uh, then I, I I came back this year. This year. So we know
0: that you're here because you're here to stay because you've built a new house.
1: Yes, I will be here.
0: And uh, you're going into business to help uh, your adopted son?
1: Oh, yes, yes. I, you know, I mean, his name also is Harry, but, you know, he spells it H-A-R-I. Ah, I know. And and I'm there, and and he has a wonderful wife who's a lawyer. Ah. a high-grade pleader, a high-grade lawyer. She's very talented. And so we, I'm thinking of, you know, getting some uh, pharmaceutical uh, drugs from Australia. Good because, to hear. Because they are very popular here in good? this country. Wow, that's good. Uh, Australian uh, drugs. So I am trying to... I did tell Christopher Lamb about it, and Christopher Lamb said, yes, I should go and speak to the Australian Myanmar Chamber of Commerce and Industry people. I said, I will do that. You see, first of all, let me, you know, because I've constructed, built a new house. And when I move into that house, you see, I've already built a small shop in front of my house where I hope to display my uh, pharmacy, pharmaceutical uh, stuff from Australia and, and, and the name that uh, my son Harry has suggested is My Oz Pharmacy. <laughs> 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 uh, Oh, I, I said, why Oz? Oh, he said, Dad, you know, that, that is Australian. <laughs> you know, Kenneth,
0: uh, one wonderful thing about people like you, which is an example for all of us, is that, you know, you've got to stay interested in life and what's to do. Here you are at 87 years old, full of life. You know, yes. planning new yes. ventures. Uh, you know, it's just wonderful to see. And yes. look... We could chat for hours and hours and hours, and uh, I'd I'd just like to thank you so much for um, spending time with me now, and I look forward to spending lots more with you in the uh, future days. Thank you.
1: Peter, there's no anger in me, and that's the beauty of it. The beauty of, you know, being there in the jail with the monks, poor good monks, is I learned how to get rid of my anger. And I'm going to make use of that in doing good for whatever I can.
0: Thank you, Kenneth.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, you, you very much.